Good day, and thank you for listening to the Jeff Casello program. Today's uh, Wednesday, August 9th. I hope all is well with you and your family, and I do appreciate you listening to the program. I wanted to let you know that I also have a website, www.understandinggodslaws.com, where I put uh, Bible lessons, history lessons, and lessons in the economy for the United States, things where history has repeated itself and where we hope it doesn't re-repeat itself, but in all probability, probability will repeat itself. Say that fast three times. Anyway, I came across this following article to begin kind of the funny section or whatever you want to call it, with life's truths. So let's go down some of the life's truths for you to ponder. You know, I think it'd be, uh, as a best friend, their job should be to immediately clear your computer history if you die. Number two, nothing's worse than that moment in an argument when you realize you're wrong. Number three, I totally take back all, all those times I didn't want to nap when I was younger. Number four, there's a great need for a sour uh, sarcasm font. Number five, how the heck are you supposed to fold a fitted sheet? Number six, was learning cursive really necessary? I don't think it is in... In today's writing in the schools, number seven, MapQuest really needs to start their directions on number five. I'm pretty sure I know how to get out of my neighborhood. <laughs> number eight, obituaries would be a lot more interesting if they told you how the person died. Number nine, I can't remember the last time I wasn't at least kind of tired. Number 10, bad decisions make good stories. Number 11, you never know when it will strike. But there comes a, a moment at work when you know that you just aren't going to do anything productive the rest of the day. Number 12, can we all just agree to ignore whatever comes after Blu-ray? I don't want to have to restart my collection again. And again, and again. Number 13, I'm always slightly terrified when I exit out of Word and it asks me if I want to save any changes to my 10-page technical report that I swear I did not make any changes to. Number 14, I keep some people's phone numbers in my phone just so I know not to answer when they call. Number 15, I think the freezer deserves a light as well, don't you? <laughs> Number 16, I wish Google Maps had an avoid ghetto routing option. Number 17, I have a hard time deciphering the fine line between boredom and hunger. Number 18, how many times is it? appropriate to say what 
before you just nod and smile because you still didn't hear or understand a word they said. Number 19, I love the sense of camaraderie when an entire line of cars team up to prevent a jerk from cutting in at the front. Stay strong, brothers and sisters. Number 20, shirts get dirty, underwear gets dirty. Pants, pants never get dirty. And you can wear them forever. Number 21, sometimes I'll look down at my watch three consecutive times and still not know what time it is. And finally, number 22 of life's truths. Even under ideal conditions, people have trouble locating their car keys in a pocket, finding their cell phone, and pinning the tail on the donkey. But I bet everyone can find and push the snooze button from three feet away in about 1.7 seconds. Eyes closed, first time, every time. Yeah, maybe some of those things have gone out of style. I pretty, we pretty much use all these. But it does make you go, hmm. You make you wonder. And uh, that's just kind of life's truths. And with that, we also have the oxymorons. And these are, these are wonderful. This will really make you think. Interesting. Here's number one. Is it good that a vacuum really sucks? Number two, why is the third hand on the watch called the second hand? Number three, if a word is misspelled in the dictionary, how do we ever know? Number four, if Webster wrote the first dictionary, where'd he find the words? Number five, why do we say something is out of whack? What's a whack? Number six, why does slow down and slow up mean the same thing? Number seven, why does fat chance and slim chance mean the same thing? Number eight, why do tugboats push their barges? <laughs> Number nine, why do we sing take me out to the ball game when we're already there? Number 10, why are they called stands when they are really made for sitting? Number 11, why is it called after dark when it's really after light? Number 12, doesn't expecting the unexpected make the unexpected expected? <laughs> Number 13, why are a wise man and a wise guy opposites? Number 14, why do overlook and oversee mean opposite things? Number 15, why is phonics not spelled the say not spelled the way it sounds? Number 16 is work is so terrific. Why do they have to pay you to do it? Number 17, if all the world's a stage, where's the audience supposed to sit? Number 18, if love is blind, then why is lingerie so popular? Number 19, 
If you're cross-eyed and have dyslexia, can you read all right? Number 20, why is bra singular and panties plural? Number 21, why do you press harder on the buttons of a remote control when you know the batteries are dead? <laughs> Number 22, why do we put suits as in garment bags and garments in a suitcase? Number 23, how come abbreviated is such a long word? Number 24, why do we wash bath towels? Aren't we clean when we use them? Number 25, why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Number six, 26, why do they call it a TV set? when you only have one. <laughs> Number 27, and we're on the last two. Christmas, what other time of the year do you sit in front of a dead tree and eat candy out of your socks? And number 28, why do we drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? And that's your 28 oxymorons. I hope you enjoyed it. If you could answer these, you're a better person than I am. But I thought that was kind of cool to bring that in and and share that with y'all. This is, <laughs> it brings a chuckle to me. Have a great day as we move on to our uh, Bible as well as our economic lesson. We'll be studying in Deuteronomy. And then from there, we're going to go into part two of the 1929 Great Depression. Stay tuned. Good day to each of you. I do ask that you uh, get your Bibles. And let's turn to Deuteronomy and pick up beginning on verse 15, and we'll be going through verse 29. Remember, the first 14 verses were the blessings. And now we get into the curses. God hates sin. No way around it. He hates sin. He loves each person. For he created each person. But God hates sin. I can't make it any more explanatory. And this is what he says. Now, here he is. He's talking to the Israelite people. But let's, let's look at where we stand here in the United States and see if we can see some correlations. However, if you do not obey the Lord, your God, and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees. I am giving you today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Folks, he's not asking us. 
When he says commands, he means what he says. These are commands. And if you love the Lord thy God, you will follow all his commands. For he says in verse 16, you will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. So whether you live in the city or in the country, you'll be cursed. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be cursed. There goes the food. There goes the farmers. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, and the crops of your land, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. I don't know about you, but if you go to the grocery store, you see an awful lot of empty shelves. And they're becoming emptier and emptier. And prices keep going up and up. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. So no, no matter what time of day, we're going to be cursed. Because we as a people have not followed God's commandments, his laws and statutes. And he says, I have to get after you folks for doing what is wrong. The Lord will send you curses. But not only that, he will send you, and I'm paraphrasing this, it says confusion and rebuke in everything you put your hand to. I'll read that again straight up. The Lord will send on you curses confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament a little bit further and you go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, God asked the question, do we have five people that we can count on in this city and I will not destroy it? Five people. I know, fellow Christian, there are many of you out here. And I pray most, if not all, that are following God's laws, God's commands, and God's statutes. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. Well, the Israelites found that out. And the land that here we have in the United States, we have had COVID, a man-made sickness that has killed a lot of folks, a lot of folks. And it's my prayer that we turn our eyes back to God so we don't get something stronger than COVID-19. He goes on to say, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. Now again, you look at a wasting disease and you look no further than cancer. The disease cancer 
has not been wiped out. Heart disease has not been wiped out. Heart attacks have not been wiped out to kill those many folks, very sadly. Any particular type of cancer is wicked. Fever and inflammation, scorching heat and drought, wicked. That's what we're experiencing in many parts of our country. So terrible, it's scorching our land and destroying many of the crops that we have due to the wicked heat. Drought in one area, lots of water in another area. One area we're getting immense amount of rain. Another area hasn't had rain in a long time. Blight and mildew. The sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. Look at your croplands. And I'm not talking about just this year, but go back in years and you will see where our croplands have been destroyed by either too much water or not enough. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you're destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. Now let's stop right there and review. Let's look at the review. Beginning in 1950, we had the Korean War. 1950 to 1953. Nine years later, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Not long after that, we had the Vietnam War. We had a period of time where it was quiet. And then in 1990, we had the Gulf War. Or Operation Desert Storm with a fight against Iraq. 2006, we had the Operation Desert Shield, again with Iraq. Beginning in 2001 to 2021, we had the war in Afghanistan. And now, February of 2022, we're involved with the Ukraine by supplying the Ukraine with lots and lots and lots and lots of money, arms, and advisors. How many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You will come at them from one direction in verse 25, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. 
Just think about that for a minute. Korean War. How did we defeat the North Koreans? Cuba. How did we defeat the Russians? Who still have a submarine and missile base within 100 miles from the base of Florida. Vietnam. North Vietnam is still there, and it's still, if I'm not mistaken, communistic. The Gulf Wars. Iraq. Another thorn in the side of the United States. Are they also leading into military warfare by adding an atomic bomb? They promote the Islam religion, which is against Christ. This is a false religion. And what does it tell you in the Ten Commandments? You shall follow no other God except me. Afghanistan. Wouldn't we have learned when the Russians were not able to defeat and assist the Afghanistanian people? And we did the same thing 20 years later with while pouring in an un, a, a very, very, very large amount of money in debt, money the United States really didn't have. But not only money, think about all of the buildings that were placed, all of the weapons that were left, all of the machinery that was left. How many dollars does this amount to? And yet, just a year later, in 2022, we're now backing the Ukrainian people and their supreme leader. Seven wars. And what have we gained? I'll tell you what we've lost. Our soldiers. the diseases the soldiers brought back are soldiers who put their lives on the line for the commitment of freedom. There's no greater value than the value of a life. Our monies, our taxes, what have we received from this? Again, we have the United States saying might makes right. No, it doesn't. This is sheer foolishness. Without God putting us as his battle axe, we will lose. There's no way around this. Again, 
anyone with common sense will say, and they'll look at this and say, what has the American people actually gained? How has it helped you? It hasn't. And yet we're now down to the Ukrainians where our president is pouring in millions and millions of taxpayer dollars in aid. Millions of dollars that could feed American people that are hungry. That would grow America itself. That would assist Americans first. It is sad that the Ukrainians and the Russians are fighting. But as the old saying goes, who died and made you God fits here 100%. You see, if you go back to World War I, the United States wasn't even in the first world war to begin with. They entered it many years later. And again, in World War II, the United States was quiet in 1939, 1940. And only on December 7th of 1941 did the United States enter into war with Japan as, and later into the Axis. And the reason for that was the Japanese attacked American soil, American soldiers, American ships, and thus began World War II. But not in these other countries. I don't believe any Vietnamese were over here fighting. I don't believe the Cubans or the Russians were over here starting a war. The Vietnamese certainly didn't. The list goes on. Instead of being the instigators and perpetrators, It's not our business to be the policemen of the world. We need to keep our noses out of areas where it doesn't need to belong in. Not what I just say, it's what God says. Ask God first. Rely upon God first. Ask his knowledge, and we'll only grow from it. But when we disregard his knowledge, his blessings, then we get his curses. So your carcasses in verse 26 will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors, cancer, festering sores, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. I want to just stop right there and say, blindness, madness, and confusion of mind. How many of our elected representatives, senators, congressmen, men in high places, women in high places, have madness, blindness, and confusion of mind? 
At midday, you will grope about like a blind man in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day, you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. I'm sure we as Americans feel that fate very much, where we feel like no one will rescue us. But if we stand fast, believe the word that God says, we will be protected. That's what he says. He will protect us. Like 99 sheep that are accounted for and the one lost sheep, the good shepherd will find the one lost sheep and be protective of all 100 sheep. This is not just what he says. This is what he does and will continue to do. We must stand firm. We must do what Jesus said. If you love me, you will follow all my commandments, my laws and statutes. If we want the blessing and stand with me on this, if we want the blessings, we will do this. For we, like Jesus, must hate sin. To the sinner that does it, I'm no better than anyone else because I sin also. And I don't want to get on the pulpit to say, well, you're a big sinner. Okay, who's the bigger one? And we can go no further than the prostitute that met with Jesus and the Pharisees that wanted to stone her. I try to remember that and always say, what would it be like to walk in their shoes? Excellent examples, excellent words, straight and narrow pathway. We will now turn to verse 30 on the next time, and we will move forward with the second part of the Great Depression. So please stand by, and thank you for listening to the Jeff Casello program. Good day to each of you listening to the Jeff Casello program, where today we're going to tackle the Great Depression Part 2. The war to end all wars is over. I wrote this uh, nearly a year and a half ago. And I think it's as valid today as the day that I wrote it. And I hope that you enjoy this. Now, you may be asking yourself, uh, what does this have to do with Christianity? And why bring this up? Well, as you read your Bible, especially the New Testament, you must believe that Jesus teaches us about money and about economics from a biblical view and provides the model for each individual as well as each family and government. 
he's laid down everything from the single person to the married family to from the children up to the grandparents and his model is perfect if we were to follow his model and when i say his model i'm talking about his commandments his laws his statutes He wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well. He created us in his image after his likeness. And he loved us. So therefore, he has given us every opportunity, the same way that he gave Adam and Eve, to do what was right. So let's let's get into this. When reading the Old Testament, God provided the principles. And this is, again, the principles of how the Israelite tribes were to build a godly economy for present and future countries to follow. So here you go. Here is the framework, the perfection of what we should be following. We as a country, and I say that. Here in the United States, man disobeyed God and the economy of the country was destroyed. It's so true that history repeats itself and that Satan wishes to control all facets of the human life while on earth, for he knows of man's love for money and for power. Now, need I go back any further than Nebuchadnezzar, where Nebuchadnezzar built a giant image of gold and wanted to have everyone and that included everyone underneath Nebuchadnezzar whether you were a tax payer or one collecting tax whether you were a governor or a farmer all were to bow to this golden image and yet there was three that didn't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For they knew of Satan's technique and of Nebuchadnezzar's image, and they would not bow. As you read the beginnings of the industrial expansion of the U.S. in the 1920s, and what an expansion it was, or as they were called, the Roaring Twenties, the cracks in the dam had begun to show during the First World War. But who cared? Wall Street was booming. The war to end all wars was finished. The GDP rose. The almighty dollar was buying one's needs and wants. Unemployment was non-existent. The USA had no, no national debt. No national debt thus lending millions to various countries in need. The Roaring Twenties ushered in fun and frolic everywhere from the ballparks to Hollywood to Broadway and to backdoor saloons. I was watching a documentary last night on Al Capone and how he made his money, which was millions back in the, in the 20s when he was in Chicago. 
with the backdoor saloons. And I'm talking about millions of dollars on illegal gambling, illegal sex, illegal alcohol. Well, Fred Flintstone said it best. We'll have a gay old time and everything became turning up roses, including playing the stock market. For that was the way to make easy money. Businesses, politicians, and individuals were getting in on the buying stock shares on margin. So what is buying stock shares on margin? Buying on margin simply means borrowing money from a broker to purchase stock. So you borrow money from a broker. This technique allows you to purchase more stocks than you normally do. You only invest half the value of stocks while your broker lends you the remaining half. This way you can purchase double the stocks than you can afford. What a grand technique for merely 10% of the stock market. So, did a little bit of information here, and here you go. Causes of the Great Depression, buying a margin. In the 1920s, stocks could be purchased for a 10% down payment called buying on margin. The rest of the price of the stock was financed by a loan from a stockbroker or a bank. Get that? 90%. was financed by a loan from a stockbroker or a bank. If the stock price fell, the purchaser was still responsible for the whole price of the stock. Up to 1929, and as long as the price of stock went up, there was no problem. But if the stock prices declined, there is no way to pay off the borrowed money. And people also invested in real estate, land, or buildings with a similar hope of getting rich quick. Again, think about that. People also invested in real estate, real estate, land, or buildings with a similar hope of getting rich quick. Not so easy now with the price increases or the Mortgage rates, the question lends whether savvy investors took the time to research the company they were buying stock or where they were buying on margin, thus gambling in hopes the stock would go up. Now comes the greedier greed or the inside trading. How prominent was it? This will give you an idea. There was a man called Albert H. Wigan, W-I-G-G-I-N. Mr. Wigan headed the Chase National Bank in the 20s. Following the famous Wall Street crash in 29, Albert was revealed to have sh shorted, shorted over 40,000 shares of his company. To conceal the trades, 
He used companies owned by his family. That put him in a position to run the company into the ground. At that time, there were no regulations in place to restrict company owners from short selling their company stocks. Now, after the 29 crash, many investors quit their positions in the Chase National Bank stock, and Mr. Wigan legally made a whopping $4 million as profits from the short selling deal. Mr. Wigan, over and above the profits, went on to accept $100,000 annual life pension from the bank, which he later declined after public protest and media outcry. Due to this and other extreme fraudulent incidents during the crash, the 1934 Security and Exchange Act was passed to enhance transparency and decrease manipulation in the financial markets. In, section, in fact, Section 16 of the Act, which addresses insider trading news, was nicknamed the Anti-Wigan Section. This was uh, courteous from the DailyVanguard.com, the most notorious insider trading incidents in the stock market. Again, who was that? He's the head of the Chase National Bank, and he took advantage of so many and got away with inside trading. Can you think of anyone in the past 20 years that has pulled similar stunts? And the, all so many people that lost their life savings. The outcome leading up to the October 29 was wild stock market speculation, weak regulations inside Wall Street, margin buying, security subsidiaries, inside trading among financial institutions, and market shares selling for more money than the company's actual earnings. Wow. October 24th, 1929, or what they call Black Tuesday, the day the dam burst. And over the next four days, the stock market prices fell 22% and cost investors $30 billion. Now, that was a lot of money in 29. Americans throughout the land saw the amount lost was more than the First World War. The result, fear spread the land. Oh, and where was the Federal Reserve during this time? Now, remember, they were created years ago. They were nowhere to be found, for they showed their reluctance not to increase the money supply. What happened? Caused the money shortage. As for the timetable, this would last 10 years, 10 years of growth, 10 years of industrial prosperity, 10 years of financial prosperity, 
and 10 years of good times turned into 10 years of depression, of fear, of poverty, and of homelessness. Now, according to Britannica, between 29 and 33, industrial production fell nearly 47%. The GDP declined by 30%. Unemployment reached more than 20%. Mass unemployment declines in industrial machinery. Deflation, small banks closing, and the money shortage became the iron yoke around the head of the American. So was the stock market the determining factor of the Great Depression? The answer is yes and no, for we must analyze the shockwaves of what was happening after the four black days of the stock market. Before I go on and finish this, uh, which is which is very shortly, I want to go over one more thing. 1929 and 1933. Industrial production fell nearly 47%. Wonder what industrial production is today here in the United States. The GDP declined by 30%. Where do we stand in the GDP today in comparison to, say, China? Unemployment reached more than 20%. Where do we stand on unemployment today? How close are we getting to 20%? This caused declines in industrial machinery. I'm just trying to think just what all we manufacture here in the United States. Deflation. Right now we have inflation. Small banks closing. Well, we've had a few of those and we have more teetering. And I can't say about a money shortage, but I can tell you that it doesn't seem as though wages are going up, and yet prices are going up, and wages are not being met to keep up with the price of what the American needs to buy and the loan debt the American has in today's society. You want to talk about an iron yoke around the head of an American. Here you have it. So this begs me to wonder, how close are we to an actual depression where we may see soup lines? How close are we to have basically two classes? the rich and the poor. You actually think this was God's idea? 
If you believe that, you're wrong. It wasn't. This is directly man's idea. The rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And the saddest part of it is, is that you can turn around and you and I both know lots of people who are not able to make ends meet, who are barely scraping by. And if a catastrophe hits, they're in a load of trouble. Debt is the iron yoke. So here's the correlation. The shock waves of the of the black four days or the four black days of the stock market crash. And the question again, where is the Federal Reserve? The great will bail you out. I do hope that you and boy enjoyed the second installation of the Great Depression. Stay tuned for next time. We'll do part three, Black Days of the Stock Market Crash. I do hope that you enjoyed the Bible lesson in Deuteronomy, the Stock Market Crash, part two and the irony and the oxymorons try to add a little bit of humor humor i thank each of you for listening to this podcast and i also invite you to go to my website www.understandinggodslaws.com and i hope each of you have a wonderful day and until next time may god bless you and may you bless god in all things. Good day.